Welcome to the Amazon Legends Podcast, where we have real stories about making it big on Amazon. Our guests are CEOs of large companies and entrepreneurs who became powerful sellers, also experts specializing in helping sellers, and both former and current Amazon employees who will give us an insight from behind the scenes. Here's your host, Nick Urison. Welcome to another episode of Amazon Legends. My guest today uh, went from building control panels for aircrafts of all types to becoming an Amazon seller and then a PPC master. So I guess, you know, it wouldn't be wrong to say it takes a, not a rocket scientist, but an aircraft scientist <laughs> to run PPC. So he's the co-founder of PPC Maestro. And also, he's passionate about his family and tennis. So, everybody, meet my guest, uh, Bernard Nader. Welcome to the show, Bernard. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for having us. Uh, I'm excited to talk to you about this today. So, you are the closest uh, I have to a rocket scientist as my guest. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could call myself a rocket scientist, but <laughs> I wish. <laughs> So you have a winning strategy with your clients when you start working with them and, and you are here to share that winning strategy with us. So tell us what that is. In as few words as possible, less is more. Simple as that. So we are going to talk about all the tricks about PPC. So I guess you mean this applies to PPC. So what does that mean by less? Less money, less advertising, less keywords, Tell us. Well, it, I, to make it like more, I guess, understandable for your guests and for yourself, it's less meaning, not less keywords, but less ad spend versus uh, products, right? So you got to make sure you're advertising the right products, right? So a lot of sellers have problems identifying which products are uh, profitable. So then in that case, they lose money in terms of ad spend, right? So what we do, we, we come in, we focus on the money winners, right? And then we go all in on these guys. So that's what I mean by doing less, which produces more results in the end. Right? So, so this is nothing to do with advertising. Man. So before even you do a thing about advertising, keywords or anything, you're just looking at the product, I'm assuming the revenue model. That's what you mean? Yes. Yes. So we look at, of course, the listing has to be optimized. All the, it has to have good reviews, obviously. The rating has to be great. The images have to be high quality. Uh, conversion rate has to be, uh, I would like looking above 10% for a listing. If anything above 10%, then it's, it's like prime for heavy, uh, okay, I guess. So hold on, because you, you've done so many things in like 15 seconds. <laughs> so we need to unpack all that. So first sure. of all, let's start from the top. Top being brand new listing. So okay. new listing, and I want to launch. I have variations. Mm -hmm. One parent. And... And I come to you and I say, I want you to run my PPC and get me. I have no reviews because it's brand new. Right. No idea about my conversion. So okay. now tell me what is the first thing with the less is more strategy? Okay. So first thing we do is an audit of the actual uh, product that you do want to launch, right? We want to make sure that everything is in line, right? The images have to be professionally made, of course. 
the keyword research is extremely important. Uh, so someone who understands the market and Amazon has to create the listing itself, right? So if all that is in place, then we go into the launch phase, right? So the launch phase depends on, of course, the category, how competitive it is. If it's like, hopefully the person launching the, the product did research and not go against you know, a, a product that's too competitive. If that's the case, we basically create a launch strategy. Basically, we target like, you know, all the keywords that are indexed on, on the listing itself, on the, you know, on the bullet points, on the headline. And if you don't have A-plus content, then, then the description itself, right? So we base our launch uh, procedure or, process or strategy based on whatever keyword research was done. And then we launch the product. So now, what makes something competitive? So, right, you, you know, you should look at the category and then decide if it's too competitive because you can be in a very competitive category, but, you know, your product may be fairly unique. Yes. And then that comes down to which keywords you are targeting. So walk us through how you position your listing in terms of taking on heavy competition. Well, if it's a heavy competition, like you said, you got to be very selective. You got to niche down to a certain level of keywords. So, for example, if you're selling like a, an iPhone case, which is like very, very competitive, as you might notice, right? But if you go down like a long tail keyword, let's say uh, iPhone case, waterproof for uh, iPhone 13 blue, for example, right? If you go very deep, it gets less competitive. I'm not saying it's not competitive, but it's less, right? So if you tailor your listing to that, to those keywords targeting that audience, right? Even if you make it for women, right? Exactly. Women looking for a phone case, which is pink or whatever, right? And then uh, was waterproof and then for exactly iPhone 13s, right? Very specific. That's how I would approach something that, uh, I guess, if it's that competitive, you got to go really, really deep in the keyword research, making and it very... Those keywords, those keywords go in your PPC targeting or do they go in the content? If so, where in the content or both? Both. So ideally, you want to have the title, of course. The title, leftmost first, you want to have all your seed keywords starting there, right? So if you're going to target something like iPhone 13 blue or green or whatever, you want to make sure that's at the beginning of the title, right? And then sometimes Amazon puts the brand name, sometimes it doesn't, right? So after that, then comes iPhone 13 waterproof case pink, right? So if you have that in that order there, uh, Amazon gives it more weight in terms of like uh, search volume, right? What it's looking for. And then of course you gotta find different other uh, keywords that relate to that, right? And then you spread them out, you sprinkle them through the, uh, the listing itself, which is bullet points, of course, the top three bullet yeah. points. And, and then- uh, you mentioned the, the less is more strategy in terms of revenue models. So, so I come to you with my listing. You check the listing. The listing is optimized. Keywords are okay. The images are okay. A plus content, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's all there. And but applying the less is more strategy. What are the numbers that you're looking at in terms of the revenue model? Well, there's no revenue model at this point, right? You don't have data yet. 
So you got to collect the data first, right? So the revenue model comes into play after basically you get the data back from Amazon. So if you're launching a product, we basically do a launch. Of course, you got to have a, 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 a budget allocated for the launch, obviously, right? So once you have a reasonable budget, <clears throat> which again, depends on competitiveness of the category, right? So once we have a launch budget, we launch it, we, we do a launch, we go hard, right? So we go heavy for the first, I would say, couple of weeks because you get the honeymoon period, you gotta, you gotta take advantage of that, right? So when you, you do heavy on that, I would say heavy in, in a broad sense, right? Depending on, on demand and, and of course, category. Um, then you start getting the data back, right? So typically, we don't expect anything to be profitable, of course. I mean, it, it's unrealistic to launch a product and expect to be profitable right away. That doesn't really happen much. I've never, I've done it for existing brands, right? But if you're, a, if you're a new brand launching a product, that's not going to happen for you, right? So if we do get the data back, then we can analyze and see how we can apply the less is more strategy, right? So let's say you launch after a certain period of time. Let's give it two months of data coming in, right? So we have data, PPC data. Now we know what type of margin we're looking at, right? It's still not a lot of time, but you can kind of know which variation will work best, right? So let's say you launch a blue or green or yellow, or whatever, right? Then you get an idea of which color variation would do better. Then we could focus on that. But still three months, we still need to expand more on the keyword research and basically launch more campaigns, get data, more data. Mm -hmm. Because as you know, as the, as the honeymoon period dies off, then you're left on your own. If you're not ranked organically for a lot of keywords and the algorithm just traps you, right? Conversion yeah. rates gets worse. And you know, as it is, but as reviews come in, if you have a good product, people want the product, then, you know, of course the algorithm rewards you. And if it rewards you, then we can go in and basically dig in and get more, extract more keywords to rank for. So we'll be rank, uh, launching more campaigns, getting more data back. So still gives us an idea. We don't know for sure yet. But I would say if you're launching from scratch, brand new product, zero reviews, anything, we want to see at least three, of three to four months of data before we can say, okay, all right, this might work. Let's push it a little bit harder, right? So a few things there that we want to clarify. Um, first of all, how long is the honeymoon period and what is that? <laughs> honeymoon period is like a, a debatable. Nobody really knows, but I believe it's around, I would say, a couple weeks or months. It depends, I guess. But we like going about three weeks using it. Like we go aggressive for the first three weeks. Let's just say that three weeks. But there, nobody really knows. Amazon knows, but we don't. I mean, I would say three weeks to be safe. That we use about three weeks. Uh, we go yeah, hard I, I because heard, <laughs> I, I heard I heard that three to four weeks. Yeah, nobody yeah. knows. And Some people I guess, say two. But yeah. yeah. So I, I'm. You know what I'm wondering? What do you see in your experience? Is Amazon extending the honeymoon period if you are not taking advantage of it, or? They are extending it if you know what you're doing. Which one do you that's, think? That's a good question there, Nick. I like that. I, I think the algorithm is, of course, AI, right? So I think it learns that if ideally they want you to spend money, right? If you're spending money and then the customer is buying the stuff, I think they extend it. That's my opinion because it only makes sense, right? If 
if you're getting good results, the algorithms say, hey, people want this. So why not show it to more people? I think it's extended for products that convert better than others, right? I think. I don't know. Nobody knows, but yeah. it makes sense, doesn't it? You, just, you know what I've seen, Bernard, in my experience, that then gave me my opinion, <laughs> is the magic bullet in this is conversion rate. Yeah, exactly. Because if you are conversion rate is how many people that come to your product page ends up and uh, they end up buying. Right. So if you are converting high, that basically tells Amazon that this is a good listing and I want to give it more exposure because more your click-through rate, that is when somebody does a search, a yep. bunch of listings come up, people click on it. That's the yep. click-through rate. Yes. Increasing the click-through rate is much harder than increasing the conversion rate. Yes. But they can do things about putting you higher or lower in those search results, which will then increase your conversion rate yes. based on, I mean, the click-through rate, based on how, you're com- how you are converted. Yeah. So would, would you agree with that? I think that's, yeah, I would say yes, because it's, you know, it's like I said, it's AI, it learns, right? It learns what works in terms of what converts better, right? If it's converting well, then the algorithm is gonna, wants to give you more love, right? It's going to give you more love. Mm-hmm. If your conversion rate is low, then it's going to punish you for that as well. Right, right. So uh, one more question. So you, you, I heard you mention that we need three, four months of data before we can actually make an educated uh, yeah. guess on what we're doing or an educated strategy. So yeah. uh, how much money does one need to spend without well, expecting anything? I think, you know, nowadays, as you know, things are so, so competitive, right? So I would say... As a business owner, you want to launch a product, you got to allocate us. We do the products we launch, we've spent as much as $1,500 a day for the launch, right? A day, right? So we go heavy, but we're launching like competitive products as well, right? Competitive products in a niche down version of it, right? So that's how we do it, right? Of course, sometimes we have external help with, you know, influencers and stuff like that. That helps for reviews, right? But if that's not the case, then you got to go all in on PPC, right? Which is, you know, it's, it's expensive, obviously, but you're paying for the data. That's ultimately the goal here, right? You're paying to know if it's, it works, if, if whatever you, you, you think is going to work for, it is working, right? So in terms of like a dollar amount, I would say it varies. If you're very conservative and you're launching in a product that's like, I would say medium competitive to competitive, I would say no less than 500 a day. I would say that that would be the minimum for us in terms yeah. of like, because you got you to gotta go heavy. I mean, you have no other choice, um, especially if you don't have ex- external help, right? And you have so, no okay. reviews, right? So, I mean, that's the first yeah. challenge. You get reviews. Reviews come from orders. Orders come from reviews. Exactly. So you cannot have... It's yeah. the ball rolling, and that's the, the ad spend that will get you the maximum exposure. So some of them exactly. will come in. Exactly. So, you got you to gotta be ready to spend, to invest. I don't call it spend. You got to invest in your product launch. Yeah. It's, it's the same for any business, right? If you're opening a store, you got you to gotta tell people about it. You got to do PR presses or whatever, right? You got to tell people. You got to advertise. It's the same idea, right? 
Yeah. Amazon is no different. Um, yeah. So as far as the, the actual spending, so tell me if you agree with this. Mm -hmm. What I tell my clients is they say, okay, how much do we have to spend? So I say it's different for everybody. It depends on the keywords, blah, blah, blah. But just before you launch, you have to look at the landscape, the keyword, you know, competitive landscape, yeah. and then pick the keywords based on what's in your listings, and then you go. Yep. But at the end of the day, you're not spending like you're writing checks only. You will also generate sales. So there will be of revenue course. coming in. So that's the context that you have to consider this. So now, when you consider it like that, this is what I give them as a formula. Of course, there are no guarantees, but this is the way to plan, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I say, in the first month, expect to generate $1 for every dollar you spend in advertising. Okay. In month two to three, expect to generate $2 for every dollar you spend in advertising. And then month four, five, six, you are basically working towards spending a dollar and generating $3 and then $4, yeah. which basically gets you settled down around 25%. Yes. That yeah, means I agree. That, and that's a good ACOS, so to speak, uh, going forward. And then, you know, you want to pull it down to between 10 to 20%, and you are laughing all the way. So, so that's where you're going, but that's how it kind of escalates in terms of your return. So I say if you plan this way, and then you put your advertising real mm -hmm. heavy, you will only see a much better return because what will happen is every dollar you spend will also get you ranked and rank getting ranked will get you organic. Yep. And then in the process, you're going to run some, uh, your own social media, you name it. So you, your sales will not be limited to just spending a dollar, getting a dollar. It will be a lot more, but at least your planning will not make you disappointed. So um, what do you say to that kind of an approach? I, I like it. I mean, it's, it's basically, we call it something similar, I guess, the objective of the campaign, right? So we have a launch objective for the campaigns and we have a basically break-even objective. The launch, basically, you, you might break even, which is your one-to-one, -one, right? You're spending one, you're making one. Right. So we, we use the same ideology, the same technical idea, but different ways, ways of wording it. Right. So, yeah, typically we want to launch a product and start getting profitable within three to four months. Yeah, that's the idea. So yeah. it's actually the same idea. Yeah. yeah. We, we expect to break even the first month. Yeah. If we if you have a hundred percent ACOS the first month, that's OK. That's OK. You yeah. Know? You just got to get better. Hopefully, if the product people like the product, they don't give you negative reviews. If it still keeps climbing in the uh, organic ranking, then yeah. But, you know, all being said, it all depends on how accepted the product is, you know, how they like it or and how well it converts. That's it. You know? Well, there is something I'm, I'm kind of smiling when you say break even. Of course, you know, the seller will say, what do you mean break even? You know, yeah, of course, for every dollar you spend, you get a dollar in sales. 
That's not breaking even because I have the product cost, the Amazon commission, the FBA. <laughs> but that's the, that's the name of the game, right? That's the name so, of the game. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so you, you can't expect to make money. Like I said, initially, yeah. it doesn't, yeah. it's not realistic. If that's the expectation, I mean, it's yeah, I just want to clarify for the listeners. When we say break even, we're talking, we're referring to the advertising spent versus yes. revenue generated, not yes. break even on the product sale. So No, yeah. ACOS, advertising cost of sale. Yeah. We break yeah. even there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, yeah. it would be nice but, you know, even right from the get-go. <laughs> but, you know, Nick, we've launched products where we've, in the first couple of months, we've hit like 50% ACOS or 30% ACOS. I mean, it depends. You know, it depends on what, how good the product is, how well they research the, the, uh, the market, right? Yeah. So it's all, it all depends on how good product research was, you know, market research was. That's, that's the key right there. Exactly. So um, I want to also like bring it all together uh, before we move on to another topic. So what we're talking about here is at the end of the day, the advertising never goes away, right? It's always going to be a percentage of your sales. So, so that's going to settle down. If you are lucky, closer to 10%. If you're not so lucky, but you're doing a good job, then around 20%. So expect to spend... 10 to 20 cents out of every dollar you bring in in advertising, which goes back to the pricing that you have. So in your pricing, if if you're, let's say that, let's break that down. Let's say that uh, half of your sale goes to purchasing the product or manufacturing the product, landed cost. You're going to pay 15% to Amazon. So now you are up to 65%, right? Mm-hmm. That's, uh, and then you have your FBA fee. That's, yeah. let's say, 15%. So that's now 80%. That's, so uh, if you are lucky and, and you settle down around 10%, which is very hard with your yeah, advertising, it's not easy. It's not you easy. only have your most money you can put in your pocket is 10%. Yep. which is not good because you're going to spend no. 20-25%, which means that you're bleeding at that point. So yes. that's why your pricing model is so key that you need to make sure that by the time you pay the landed cost of the product, Amazon commission and FBA fee, you have at least 35 to 40% yep. left before yep. any advertising is spent because your end game is to bring your advertising costs of your total sales to around 20% so that you can put 15% or so in your pocket. Yes. So that, that, that's yes. one. The second thing is be prepared to go three, four months without really making any, any profit. Sure. You just want to gather data and go from there. And yes. I would say the most important in all this is you need to streamline your content with your advertising strategy, because it's always the same. Like if you see a, let's say conventional word, you see a billboard that says the newest computer free. (sighs) And then they put the address, you go into the store and there are no computers anywhere. They're selling watches, right? (laughs) Yeah. So it doesn't connect. So your no. advertising needs to connect. There may be computers somewhere in the corner, <laughs> yep. but you know your advertising needs to connect with your content. So yep. a lot of people don't do that. They they build the listing, 
They do their research, whatever, and then they've got their pictures and the bullets and everything ready to go, their titles, and then they hire a PPC agent. And the PPC agent says, well, we have to start from scratch. Oh. If it's a good person. If it's not a good person, they'll take <laughs> money and run the advertising, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I've seen that for sure. Like, it's yeah. interesting that you mentioned that because, you know, lending costs, I mean, getting a price point that would make sense at the end is very important because I made that mistake myself going back when I started selling, right? I started selling in, what, 2017? And the main problem we had is like, yeah, the, the price did not make sense. The product you purchased at a price that we could not make a profit at the end if you sold it at, at that sale price. So it didn't make sense. Even if you were good at PPC, it would not work. It's just yeah. not enough margin. That's it. The numbers have to make sense. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, which is getting harder and harder these days, you know, because everything is going up. Prices of everything is going up. So it's getting more challenging every day to do so, right? Yeah, um, with the inflation and post-COVID and uh, the, the shortage of containers. And uh, so everybody is getting crushed. Yeah. Shipping costs have went what, four times now? What is it now? It's like four times what it was, like 2016, 17. It's, it's, well, I mean, if you wanna if you wanna really see why things are going up, the the source of it is transportation. So transportation means gas. So if gas goes up, yep. that means everything is gonna go up. It just multiplies. Yep. Yep. Okay, so um, this is great. So I think we really uh, gave people uh, a deep understanding of how to do this. Most important, the expectation. So what can they expect? So don't go, don't go building your listing. Don't ever go launching your listing all by yourself because that honeymoon period, you want to take advantage of. Yes. So uh, it's, uh, it's something that needs to be planned. That's very okay. Important. So tell me about out of your clients that you see, uh, what is their preference, FBA or FBM? Um, at this point, definitely FBA, but they have at times they have to do FBM because, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't make sense for them to do FBA at times. So when they want to test out a new, they do a lot of bundles. I have a lot of clients that do bundles as well. So when they want to test that stuff, because they're usually larger size stuff, right? So there they would do FBM, but yeah, preferably FBA for sure. Yeah, I would say definitely. So uh, the circumstances that would justify FBM, you say it would be bundles? or what, bundles what? because of, yeah, just to quickly like test out something that's oversized because they do like larger stuff, like more expensive, which sending that stuff to Amazon is pricey, as you know. Um, if they want, they have like a, a small volume of it, like, you know, a few hundred of them, they want to try they want to see if it works, then they do FBM and then they test it out. And if it gives them the, the numbers they're looking for, the metrics, and then they, they send in FBA. It's the quick way to test it, right? Instead of sending all that inventory there, not, not knowing if it's going to work or not. Yeah. And at, at times you have, of course, you know, at times they have to, they compare basically the fees, but FBA is so much more, the algorithm favors FBA over FBM. No doubt about that. So if you have to do one, it's got to be FBA. No yeah. other way around it. Um, Plus, FBM doesn't scale, does it? I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to do customer service, handle returns, refunds? I mean, we have clients that have their, their, you know, their, 
you know, PLs, the three PLs set up for basically, and they even do prime with FBM. That's fine. But you have to be able to deliver, right? Yeah. Within that certain amount of time. But you got to have the logistics set up for that, right? Most sellers don't. And I do not recommend a new seller trying that because it's not going to work because you got to send that stuff FBA for sure. Um, yeah. I, I also recommend uh, not wholeheartedly, but out of, you know, having no other choice. Yeah. Like short of running out of stock. Yeah. Uh, during exactly. the shopping season, create also an FBM skew so that if Amazon is delayed in receiving yep. your inventory, then exactly. you can close that one and then, you know, activate the FBM one and keep fulfilling until the FBA skew is available. Yep. So that way you have some kind of continuity in, in your sales. Yeah, makes sense. All right. So um, tell us about some of, the, um, some of these clients that you have. Uh, what is their decision-making process to bring Amazon into their selling? It's, if I could pick one word, it would be freedom, right? They think it's, it's, it's basically working for themselves. It's actually the easiest way of working for yourself, really, if you think about it, right? So basically, they have a, I have a few clients where they actually, that's their first venture as entrepreneurs, right? They, they basically have... I mean, some of them are pretty, pretty smart, you know, the way they select the products, the way they research the social media to see what's working. And then they, they come up with their own variation. Beautiful. I mean, it's, there are a lot of smart people out there that, that, that are very gifted at product selection, you know, and, you know, they come up with that and they launch it and it does well. Amazingly, it does well. But of course, they, they hire the right help, right? They got to, like I told you, nowadays, you got to have the the professional photography, the copywriting, all that stuff has to be done, right? <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, I would say they're looking for freedom from independence from a regular nine to five. That's what people seek for now. So um, you're referring <clears throat> to the, uh, the visionary uh, <clears throat> entrepreneur who just wants to be able to earn money without having to go somewhere, work, yeah. five so, or whatever. You know, my favorite clients are the ones that have brands that care, that they, they, they work, they build from the ground up, right? So I, I prefer working with brands like that, that they have, you know, skin in the game, right? So they build it with finding financial freedom by doing so. It's not just money, it's time also, right? Time freedom, because most of them have families they want to spend time with, they have kids, and you can tell from the, the way they create the listing that it, they care because they are the face of the business. I love brands like that, right? I don't particularly like brands that are in it to make money. I mean, to me, it's, it's, yeah, it's vain, right? I like, I like the smaller brands where people care. I mean, they created a product, they're happy with, they want to basically build, build a legacy with, right? I love that. Um, but that's typically the clients we, we work with, really. Um, like, you know, it's more of a, of a feel that, you know, they care. You have to care about your business. It's not just money. It's about, yeah, money matters, obviously. But what does the money bring you, right? It brings you freedom, time to spend with your family. You know, yeah. big brands don't see that. It's not part of their, of the books. You know, it's all about making money at the end of the day. It's that, but for them, it's more money for time, right? 
Yeah. I always say this. Money cannot be the objective. Money is the byproduct of the value you create. Yes. So if you focus on creating value, then money will come. It may be just a matter of time. Of course, you may need to test the value that you believe you're creating that is in fact. So there is also the, the value versus the perceived value. Yeah, that's a big one. (laughs) Perceived one is a big one. Yeah. So, so you need to focus on, because a lot of people, you know, we are very bad at communicating, right? So we cannot communicate. So we have a vision we have, but we close too close to the subject matter. So therefore we cannot present perceived value as well as we should. So yes. as a result, that value gets you know further and further away from where we are. Then suddenly we start to focus on money because we have to we have bills to pay. Yep. So never get your eyes off the ball. And that True. is the value. The point, yeah, the point is the value. I agree. Go after it. And then <clears> if you do that, and if you look at <clears> the, if you look at the, the world of business. All these people created these legendary operations. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, the movie Social Networks, I don't know uh, if you may remember, there is a scene. Zuckerberg is building this Facebook, and his partner arranged meeting with the advertisers who will be coming from New York. Oh, so wow. he says, well, I'll have the advertisers here in two days. We need to get this wrapped up. And Zuckerberg says, who cares about the advertisers? I'm building something real big here. I'm not going to rush this. I need to find out what's going on. So he knew exactly what he was building, yeah. and he didn't care about money. Of course, they say, oh, it's easy for you to say, well, you know what? <laughs> if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Exactly. <laughs> that's so true. You, you need to stick to the principles. It's so uh, that's uh, But that has to show in your listing. Right? Yes. This thing you have to come in, especially your A plus content. I love that. Yes. That. Yeah. Yes. And also your videos will uh, provide all yes. that, that. That passion needs to come yes. out. And, you know, as, as a, a service provider, it, it gives me joy to work on the accounts as well because I see the love that they put into it, the work, the, the dedication, right? It's, it's, it's their hard work, right? Yes, yeah. it's, it's a family trying to build a legacy, right? So that I enjoy that. You know, yeah. it makes me more. It makes me proud that I'm helping them do so. You know, so. So uh, I understand the entrepreneur starting on Amazon, but let's talk about also companies who have always done you know, business through their resellers, and they have a supply chain, and therefore they have distributors, wholesalers. They're doing business, but. Now, of course, the whole industry is moving in a way that they have to have direct-to-consumer channel. So Amazon presents a good opportunity because Amazon yeah. can handle the fulfillment. So right. where in their uh, life cycle would you recommend these yeah, wholesale, I mean, manufacturers to go on Amazon? If they're not there, they should jump on it right now. I mean, they should be already there. If they're not there, they're, they're missing out on a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yesterday, the biggest right? sales yesterday. channel out there, right? It yeah. gets what seventy percent of all traffic of all. I mean, you gotta get on there. I mean, there's no way around it. You're so, uh, so here is the way I make a 
a commercial case why manufacturers should be selling directly on Amazon. If you're not on Amazon, you, your resellers are on Amazon selling your products. Right. Guess what they are doing? They are competing with each other on price only. Yes. And the price is going down, right? Because that's the only way they're going to make the sale. It's the race to the bottom. Yeah, that doesn't exactly. help anyone. So at some point, your resellers will think that there's no money in this anymore for me because I have to sell it real cheap. Right. And I'm paying, you know, there isn't enough money I'm making. I don't have the margin. So I'm going to stop carrying the product. Resellers are agnostic. They'll follow the money. They will go to another supplier, a different product. And yep. then before you know it, you'll see your resellers buying from you less and less and less. Right. And in the, in the process, they completely tarnish the brand value. So yep. therefore, I say go on Amazon, clean up this reseller nonsense going on with Race to the Bottom, represent your brand much better. And that way you can keep your pricing high. You can represent the brand with better yeah. content and everything else. So. That's the case I make. Yeah, so how, how do they do they basically restrict the category? Is that, is that how they do it when you recommend that? Well, I mean, this, first of all, of course, they are now getting in the game late, which means there is a cleanup to do. Yeah. So they have to get on Amazon brand registry. They have to claim the brand. And then they have to audit all the listings that exist on Amazon because somebody created them. And then there are likely duplicates. So yep. they created multiple listings for the same Definitely. item. Definitely. Uh, consolidate them, merge them into one single listing, and, and, and then control beg, beg Amazon to give them control of the oh, listing. Okay, yeah, that's, that's that tough too, right? <laughs> once, I mean, it's a process. Once you assume the, the ownership of that listing, it's now in your control then you can start cleaning them up one by one. I mean, we're talking at least six months, depending right, on how this right. thing exists. So, and then they can gate, gate it, right? They can become... They can then gate they it. can gate it. And, and also, uh, I, had a, I had a guest. Uh, her name is Jessica, Jessica Beck. Um, they actually went on Amazon first, and then they created a supply chain, a distribution network. And what they did was the smart way to do um, but what they did when they created the distribution network, they mandated the rights to sell on Amazon mm -hmm. only belongs to them, oh, no wow, reseller. Awesome. So that has to be put in place as well. Yep. So those that is, are that is, uh, yeah, on. that makes sense. That makes sense. Clean that stuff up because there are like hundreds of duplicates of most things, pretty much. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and and Amazon actually loves working with sellers who are killing these duplicates uh, because they want the clean catalog and their catalog yeah. is not clean. With They're basically doing the work for them. Yeah, exactly. They want <laughs> for free, right? <laughs> for so, free, Bernard, yeah. tell me, you know, you mentioned a uh, team. Uh, surround yourself with good people. You know, they have a good, uh, good expert. So, uh, what does a team look like? A, a team for a seller to be successful on Amazon? A team, first of all, you gotta establish a good relationship with the supplier. That's yeah, that's number one. I mean, you gotta have a direct connection where you get, you know, I would say preferable treatment, but that takes a lot of revenue and you know commitment. But you know, that's one definitely. 
And then two, you definitely got to have VAs. I mean, you can't be doing all that stuff at just, uh, yourself. At, certain, at, uh, at, a, at a point, you're going to reach a point where you're basically running yourself thin pretty much, right? You got to have people helping out. I mean, like you said, you could have a VA fairly cheap from the Philippines, very qualified that can help you do like a lot of daily tasks, right? And of course, you got to have PPC. You don't want to, unless you're into it yourself, then you got to learn about it for sure. You got to know it. It's a huge part of your business. You got to understand it. And then at some point, you basically got to outsource it if it's not something you want to do, right? And then I would say, uh, yeah, so supplier, PPC, and get a VA, right? So I think three. And you what would the VA do? What, what are the roles that the VA should I would say they could, they could help you with uh, a lot of, if you're launching a lot of products, they could help you. You got to have SOPs in place, of course. You got to give them strict directions, strict guidelines, and tell them what you're looking for. Like if, you ha- if you're good at like writing SOPs and giving them directions, yeah, they could help you with uh, keyword research. They could help you with uh, product selection. They could help you with market research. They can help you with social media stuff. They can help you with customer service. They can help you with replying to uh, messages or whatever. I mean, there's so many things as an entrepreneur that you do, as you know, yeah. you know, you need help with freeing yourself from these things that, that are not really growing the business. Really. You're working in the business, not on the business. If you do that, right. Yeah. Once you free up yourself with all that little thing, all those little things that don't grow the business, then you can focus on what does, which is, launching more products, making, making, making sure that you're profitable, like analyzing the data and then, yeah, and launch more and yeah. test out different things and work on things that are going to help the business grow, not maintaining the business, right? So, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's true. Uh, VAs these days are critical to your success. Um, What I have seen is, first of all, you know, there's this book called uh, E-Myth Revisited uh, by Michael Gerber. And in this book, it starts with a story about this baker, this woman so passionate about baking cakes and cookies, and she's very successful. And then suddenly... She's working all the time. So she says, I better hire somebody. And then she hires somebody to help. And everything is great. She's mm-hmm. back to normal. She has a life. She's doing what she loves doing rather than deal with the business aspect. And one day, the person that she hired leaves. Oh. Back to square one, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so how do you avoid? And this is how small businesses, in fact, the subtitle of the book is Emit Revisited, Why businesses, small businesses fail. So the, the idea is what you mentioned, SOPs, standard operating procedures. Yes. So entrepreneurs are very bad at writing yeah. instructions. Yeah. <laughs> so before hiring VA, so the model of the story is before hiring a VA, make sure all the instructions are written, recorded in media, Yep. Training videos yep. are prepared. Unless you have these things, hiring a VA is not really going to accomplish much. In addition, it's going to make it worse. <laughs> do not think that you have like five things to do. Do not think that you hire a VA and the VA will 
do those five things, hire two or three VAs, less time, you're not going to spend more money. But what you're going to do is you're going to spread the eggs across multiple VAs because VAs will come and go. They are there, you know, as long as it works for them, you have to have, have a way to get them inspired and excited yep. about the work. But it's very hard to do that compared to an employee. So that's hard, yeah. my experience with VAs. But sure, same here. You have to do everything yourself so that you can write the guidelines, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've had the same experience with VAs as well. It's they come and go, and it, it's hard to motivate them. You know, m- monetary helps, but it's not. You know, at the end of the day, if if it's boring, if it's repetitive, it's it's you need to incentivize them a different way. Basically, yeah. um, you have to find different ways that you got to figure out who they are as a person, what drives them first. You know, that's that's the the whole different conversation right there <laughs> so yeah so you gotta understand what they want and what they're looking for um and then help them get there and then yeah. hopefully they can help you get where you want to go as well um so tell us a little bit about uh, yourself so you know i introduced you as being as close to rocket scientists but, <laughs> but so um aircraft you know building control panels for aircraft so really right. Running PPC operation is also looking at control panels all the time, right? So tell yeah. us, tell us the uh, first of all, how did you get to be an aircraft engineer? So where did you grow up, and what led you to that? So engineering is as a kid, I always want, I always love computers. You know, I always even as as I grow, I was growing up, I had like those old, I forgot what model, but I used to always be on a computer. So basically growing up, I wanted to be an engineer. There's just no question about it. I need, I, it's, it, it was like a passion of mine since I was very young. Right. So basically I went Where to- Where did school. that come from yeah, as a kid? Because you could have done anything, right? Yeah, exactly. So as a kid, you know, my parents actually are entrepreneurs, right? So they don't, my 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 dad owns like he, he's an art guy, art dealer, right? So basically, Caribbean art dealer. So he made a name of in Haiti. Actually, I was raised in Haiti, born in Haiti, and then I came here for school in the U.S. Uh, at the age of seventeen. But my parents had a very successful art business in Haiti, right? So where that came from, the engineering thing, I'm not sure. It's just something I didn't want to deal with art. I didn't. It's not. I have a bunch of it around my house. It's not something I, I like, you know, you could make a lot of money selling it. Sure. But it's not something I wanted to do. Right. So I've always like been technical. Like I've always liked, you know, taking things apart and, you know, that was my thing. So it came from basically just, I guess, a, a, uh, a vision I had for myself, like, a like, a. Yeah, it wasn't anything I saw around me. That's Were sure. you being asked to fix things at home growing up as a kid? No, not really. Not really, because everything was pretty much out. I mean, my parents had like, you know, some maids and, you know, we, we live like, you know, like almost like royalty there, if you want to call it that. <laughs> yeah. um, I didn't do anything really, even make my bed or anything like that. I was like hands off of everything. So this was in your nature, I guess. No, not more. really. Yeah, I it's mean, just like being an engineer, technical-minded person. It, it was in your yeah. nature. 
for sure, I don't really know where it came from because I didn't see that growing up at all. My dad is not a hands-on guy at all. My mom, even less. Um, my brothers, they're all pretty much entrepreneurs. Either doctors or entrepreneurs. That's what they do, right? Oh. Either doctors or entrepreneurs, that's it. <laughs> um, so I went, I came to school here. I came to Miami, University of Miami. I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to do computer engineering, right? So I talked to my uh, counselor and he's like, oh, you should try electrical engineering first. And then see if you, how much you like that. And then maybe transition to there to computer engineering. Okay. So I tried it. I'm like, oh, electrical is, is fun. So I graduated with electrical engineering. And then I went back to school again for computer science, right? So because I, I, there was like the, the, the urge of learning programming. I loved computers, right? So I, I went back to school and I got a second bachelor's degree in uh, computer science with programming and stuff. So those two combined, I guess, uh, degrees led me to become a, a, an avionics engineer. So basically, they were looking for someone with with computer skills who can also design circuitry, right? Which is exactly what I went to school for. So basically, I I, I worked for them for eighteen years, right, as an avionics engineer. And how do you go from that to Amazon Universe? So I went to that. I mean, the day I'll tell you exactly, Nick. The day something clicked in my head was that. Okay, actually two days. So I had a friend of mine from Dubai, a very good friend. We went to school together. He came to visit. He's the C COO of a big corporation there in Dubai. So he came to visit me at work. <clears throat> and then I was doing a lot of technical stuff with oscilloscopes and with voltmeters. And so he looked and I, you know, it's like a childhood friend of mine, right? I mean, I've known this guy for decades, right? <clears throat> so of course, he's like uh, an executive, right? So he's like, oh, you're really hands-on still, right? Kind of the, the, what he said. And I was like, oh, wow, that's true. You know, I should not be doing this at this stage. Not that I don't like it, but I should be progressing in a more management type of, of work or whatever. And then second time was a new hire at the company where he had no background in engineering. He had no technical knowledge of anything. And then, he got offered to be the manager of my department. I was like, whoa, hold on. <laughs> There's something got to change here. So back then I was like, okay, fine. So back then I started looking for what to do in terms of business. I always wanted my own business to begin with, right? <clears throat> so I looked into different types of things. I looked into um, um, like owning a UPS store, like, you know, different type of ventures, like, you know, so maybe like electronics. It's the entrepreneurial approach. It's like, yeah. it's what you inherited <clears throat> from your father. And, you know, exactly. you're always exactly. looking to be independent, have your own. Exactly. Life. My father worked only for three years for someone and then he became his own, his own business. And he was very successful at it as well. And my brothers and sisters do well as well as entrepreneurs. So that also was in your DNA. That's in my DNA. You can say that. Yeah, I guess. Um, so, yeah. So I've been looking. I went through franchises. I'm like, no, it doesn't make any sense. I can't pay them that much money. They gave me the SOPs like we talked about. And then they charged 25%. That's just ridiculous for doing nothing. No. So I went the other route. I started like looking into like buying a business that was already up and running. And I went to a bunch of them. They were a mess. It's like, oh, my God. And then. I don't exactly remember how I came across an Amazon store that was selling, like right? back then in 2016, maybe. I was like, whoa, 
can, can you really, is that a real business really? <laughs> so I looked into it and the guy, basically I, I made him an offer, but it turns out that he couldn't sell it. I don't know what happened. And then he created a course to teach. I'm like, oh my God, this is like a whole new ball game for me here. Yeah, I would love to do that. And then basically I took a, a PL, a private label course from a podcast I was listening to. And then I launched a few products. I was like, oh yeah, this is definitely what I want to do. And I learned PPC along the way, obviously. And then, you know, I'm like, oh. So basically it transitions, transitioned from basically business owner to selling a product and then to basically offering a service because that was, at the end of the day, I knew that was my strength, really. Analytics, right? Well, I will, so, <laughs> I, will, I will suggest to you that it did not progress from anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. I mean, I, I, I may be wrong. I'm just... No, sure, sure. Probably, I think that it progressed from your nature combined with your nurture by your parents being an entrepreneur. It was just a matter of time before those two things came together and found the best home. And of course, you know, your training as, you know, first as an engineer and then as an avionics engineer, obviously that makes things easy for you to deal with complex processes and numbers and Yes. But the, those things did not progress over time. No. Uh, they it just was always there. Huh? Yeah, they, flourished. they flourished. They flourished. Your nature and your nurture, uh, yeah. they, they just draw you towards what was already inevitable, it, I think. But, you know, sometimes it, in my mind, it took too long. You know, I stayed 18 years where I should have done this earlier. Yes, yeah. yes. So you, you have to say, I mean, the, the bottom line is you have to say, I'm not taking this anymore. You know, some people come and go. And then they are not as good as you as yet, you know, they are making more money or they have, yeah. they get promoted. So you have they to get say. More, yeah. I mean, like the, I guess the value I thought I was giving was not perceived as like you said, right? Like yeah, the yeah. perceived value was not the value that they saw. It's like, okay, yeah. all right. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll have to that's, change that. <laughs> that's very inspiring. So Bernard, uh, tell us uh, how people can reach you. Uh, we will put your contact information on our website and sure. also with the episode, but uh, give us how people can connect with you. Yeah. So I'm on LinkedIn, of course, Bernard Nader on LinkedIn, on uh, Facebook. And uh, my email is ben at ppcmaestro.com. And you can visit my website, ppcmaestro.com. And yeah, you can just email me there or there's like a, a free audit. If someone needs like me to look at their account and give them what I think. Yeah. So you could do that on my website. So quite a few ways you could reach out. Great. Great. So they can obviously email you directly from our website as well. When you put your right. email so they can reach out. Thank you, Bernard. That was great. That's awesome, Meg. Thanks so much for having me. It was, uh, it was fun. It yeah. was very fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Tremendously. So that brings us to the end of another episode and I'll see you on the next one. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure and subscribe, rate and review our show and be sure and share an episode with a friend. And thank you so much for being with us today. We'll see you next week here on Amazon Legends.